Just choose wherever I want to stand. I can tell that's the way it goes here. Um, yeah, I'll try this side for fun. Uh, you can see that the creativity of the sermon title today is not intended to be great. Uh, I'm just simply following what the scripture talked about. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Uh, I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ. Every individual, you know, we kind of present one thing um, in, in how we look and how we act and how we talk. But really the only person that, that knows where you are in your walk with Christ is you. And uh, it's amazing how we can present an image of great depth and um, uh, courage and strength and dependency on Christ, uh, and yet there may not be very much. On the other hand, some people don't appear to be the deepest Christians in the world, and yet, in fact, they're very dependent on Christ. Today, we're looking at the faithfulness of God in the present. Last week we talked about in the past, and next week we're going to talk about in the future. But the emphasis on God, not on us. It has to do with His faithfulness toward us. And yet I also have to ask myself the question, how faithful we are to Him. You know, God has a right to ask that question of us. And yet so often we, we spend our time kind of being more concerned with where He is in things. I don't know how you uh, chose to come to BCBC. Many of you from different backgrounds. Some of you is because your parents were here. Some of you is because a friend introduced you to come here. But you know, one of the interesting things these days and times is that just like going out and looking for a, a door frame for your house, or looking for a new pair of shoes, or looking for a new coat, or looking for almost anything, many people choose their churches basically as they go church shopping. Now, the reason I mention church shopping is because I think sometimes, just like buying clothing or door frames or anything else, we really need to take, carefully, uh, take careful aim and, and look at what it is we're about to get, what it is we're about to purchase, what we're about to get ourselves into. As we look at VCBC this morning, I'd like for us to remember and at the same time see who we are and then look at the future and ask ourselves, is this, is this a church that we shopped well for? What I mean by that is we have to recognize that different people shop with different intent. Um, my wife, I have absolutely, well, that's not true. Um, I always fear shopping, period, in general. You know, I mean, the idea of shopping to me, my concept of shopping is you walk in the store, you spend less than five minutes, buy what you've got to buy and leave. Um, my wife's perspective, I think, is you go into the store, you spend three hours, you did buy what you wanted, but you looked at everything else too. 
And you know, so it's a little different concept of shopping. So I don't necessarily always enjoy that shopping experience like that. But when we're looking at churches, I think it is very important that we recognize that most of us make choices. When I went off to college, it was really my first time to intentionally do church shopping. Because I moved away from home, uh, waved goodbye to old friends, and we split up and went in every direction in the world to different universities. And uh, I had to go and find a place that I fit. And I visited many churches that had pretty much everything together. They were, they were, I visited big churches, little churches, all different types. But I learned a little bit about myself in the process. I found that for a while at that stage of my life, I really wanted a place that I could go and feel comfortable, hit, listen to the Word of God, know that the preaching was going to be dependent on the Scripture, not on the opinion of the pastor, that the Bible study and the Sunday schools were going to be exactly the same, dependent on the Word of God. And indeed, in those days, the emphasis probably is the same emphasis we need to make here today. And that is, if you only have one hour to give, or one and a half hours on a Sunday morning for church, put it into the hour of going to Sunday school, not just coming here for worship. You see, it's that intimate time of dealing with the Bible and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life through Bible study that God seems to do His greatest work. Because it's, it's the words in those scriptures that teach us what God is like and what He expects of us. So if you've got a limited time frame, choose the time where you're intimately interacting with God. I'm not saying that our worship has no need, no purpose. This time should be valuable because our focus is not the preaching time. It's not just the great music we have. It's not just the prayer time. It's the whole experience. Because worship is focused on God, not focused on us. Our time in here today is to truly focus on giving praise to a Creator God who has been faithful in this church for 45 years. And whether you're young or old, we all can focus on God together. But having said that, that intimate Bible study was what was so meaningful to me when I was young. Because going to those Sunday school classes and sitting and having to allow the words of God to challenge who I really am, I began to evaluate my walk with God. And while I appreciated the time of worship and focusing and giving praise to God during the worship time, that Bible study helped me to understand the mind and the heart and the burden and the love of God. So I do want to encourage us all to start recognizing that we, are, we should be hungering for righteousness. We need, as a group of people, no matter what age you are, to be seeking excuses, opportunities, reasons for us to come together and to study His Word. 
As we look, for me at that point, for a church, I was looking for one that I was going to be able to be fulfilled in. Basically, finding a place that I could come, sit, listen, and kind of enjoy it. I'll tell you now that that was where I was spiritually at that point of my life. And yet, if we're talking about church shopping today, I want to say to you that our real need is to shop for a place we can serve God. Our church, VCBC, is a church that has needs. It has needs for prayer, has needs for for Sunday school programs, has need for us to have activities that do outreach. We've got to not just focus on ourselves, but focus on the lost society in which we live. We've got to challenge ourselves. We've got to find a place here within our church that we can serve. If all we are doing is coming together to try to find a place to rest and relax, we've probably found that what we shopped for is going to only give us that. But if we really want to make a commitment and shop for that kind of a church, I can assure you, VCBC has got a place to use you. But no one will beat you over the head. Well, I will a little bit, but some people won't. Trying to get you to come and to help us. Because we've got to be a team. We have to be a family. We have to work together. And whether you're youth or whether you're young adult, or whatever age group you're in, we need people who are shopping for a church where they can serve God. Not just looking for a place where they can sit back and relax. You see, those churches are many. And I remember that experience when I was in college because I went with a group of my friends to a church for quite a while like that. It was great. They had great music. They had great activities. We had every, every, it was totally designed for university students. The problem is, the church is more than university students. As I graduated from college and went on, in life I began to realize that there were children, there were older people, there were many different age groups all together within that church. And they all needed to be part of my family. I would hope that as we recognize the choice of where we've chosen to shop in our church, we are recognizing that there's a responsibility to be here. I hope that we came with joy to be able to serve. And I believe it's because in the past we've watched that kind of faithfulness. People who came into our church with a right attitude that God has blessed this church. So who are we and what are we today? Who are we at VCBC? What do we need to be doing now? You know, some of us have seen a, 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 a saying that says that a ship in a harbor is safe, but it's not what ships are made for. You know, a church that just sits back and relaxes is safe, but it's not what churches were made for. Why was the church created in the first place? If you look in the book of Acts, we have to recognize that we had the Hellenists and then we had the Hebrews. And both of these were groups 
of Jewish people who had made a decision to become a Christian. Well, that was pretty radical because their number one identity was that of being a Jew. And so in the midst of their struggle in life, just being a Jewish individual, they had made a secondary decision to become a Christian. The problem was the Hellenists and the Hebrews were from two different cultural backgrounds. One was from a group that was primarily Greek in their values and thinking and understanding of life. And the other one was from a very, very traditional conservative Jewish background. And so you put these two people together. Yes, they understood that theology was important, that sin was important, that Jesus was important, the Holy Spirit was important. The basics of Christianity, they understood the same thing. But when it came to practical application in their lives, there was a gap. You know, we've watched the gap. Who is BCBC today? BCBC. We have an English congregation here. We have a Cantonese congregation. I just preached at the, English, the Cantonese congregation, and we'll do that again in an hour. They are a different group. Their thinking is different. Their experiences are different. Even within their group, they have different groups. The Cantonese congregation, you've got the ones who came over to Canada some 35 years ago, and you've got the ones that came some 35 minutes ago. And you put those together, and you say, oh, you're all the same. That's crazy. They're not the same. I remember having meetings when I was pastoring in Kansas City, and, and we would all kid and talk about uh, everybody is a, a citizen of the dragon, you know, because they all had yellow skin, black hair. But the problem was in our church, we had people from Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan, American born Chinese, all of these groups. Yes, they had yellow skin and black hair, but their thinking was not the same, their values were not the same. It's okay to be different, but we can't let that difference divide us. With the Hellenists, there was an interesting thing there going on as they and the Hebrews were together because they were trying to figure out how can we relate and be so different. They finally made a decision with the help of the disciples that indeed they would go for unity, not conformity. There's a big difference between conformity and unity. One is saying, I recognize your thinking, you recognize my thinking, I respect your thinking, you respect my thinking. We don't fully agree in all areas, but we can still respect that we're both God's chosen people and here to serve. You know, people have talked to me many times about the question of denominationalism. And they'll talk about, oh, I think denominations really, really harmful. Denominations are really bad. It's not bad for me at all. When I hear a denomination and a person gives me their denominational background, it gives me a hint of what their thinking is. It doesn't tell me you're not a Christian. It just tells me your perspective is different than mine on certain subjects. For example, as a Baptist, if you talk to me about baptism, my brain says total immersion under the water as it gives a symbol of your being saved. And you come out of the water and it's a new being. But, it, but that water is not holy. There's nothing special about it. That's not the moment you became a Christian. You became a Christian the moment you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. 
But baptism is an act of obedience. And so it's important. If Jesus dared to say in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 that it's important to him, it's important to me. So baptism, yeah, good thing. However, what if you go to Shundo uh, Alliance. If you go to the Alliance, Bad, uh, Alliance Church. Alliance, you can be immersed or you can be sprinkled. They accept both. Well, I remember a situation in Hong Kong where I had a good friend that went through that experience and he had been, he had been baptized within their church. So it was easier for him to relate to the Baptist thing. But their church also has the other. And so, um, was that a big issue? Were, were some Christians and some not? I would say to you that baptism is a symbol of an inward experience. Now, do I think baptism is important in using the mode that we use? The emo- the emo- yes, I think it's important. But I don't think it's the thing that saves you. The Lord's Supper. When someone says to me, oh, we're going to have communion, or then they get off and sometimes they use uh, the Eucharist. Well, when you talk about the Eucharist, to me, yeah, that's an issue. Because for the Eucharist, which is celebrated by the Anglicans and some different groups, for them there's a theological view that a kind of a miracle happens at the moment you eat and you drink. Whereas for me, the Lord's Supper is a symbol. When I eat, when I drink, it's to remember who Christ was for me. It's important. But it doesn't divide me. There is a way we can unify without necessarily fully conforming in all that we are. The Scripture challenges us when we ask the question, Who is VCBC today? We are multiple languages, multiple congregations, multiple uh, cultures, multiple dreams, multiple traditions. We're an open-minded church sometimes. We're a closed-minded church sometimes. We're very, very conservative sometimes. We're not so conservative sometimes. Sometimes we're really, really smart. Very wise. Probably sometimes not so much. You know, I mean, VCBC, sometimes we like to eat. And then sometimes, well, actually with Cantonese, we always eat. So, I mean, you know, most things, you have different views on these things. But as we look at Scripture, we have to challenge ourselves and recognize that God has always been faithful. He was faithful in the book of Acts as He allowed them to learn about unity. But, unity does not come without effort. Uh, unity is quite challenging at times. And if we look in the Scripture, uh, one of the main challenges we see is that uh, the uh, Gentiles in the, in the book of uh, Acts, and cha- where they're dealing with Antioch, Chapters 8, 9, and 10. That's a new city for the church as it was doing its development and outreach. It first started off with Jerusalem, which were dealing straight with the people that I was talking about, the Hellenists and the Hebrews. But by the time it got to Antioch, when we moved on down and we're looking at chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, we're beginning to watch just a change of experience because Peter is growing 
there is a change in his understanding. Paul is involved. Change in the, there's a change in attitude to say that God loves, apparently, all people. And so maybe even these people who are not either Greek in background or Hebrew in background and actually are not even Jews have hope in the eyes of God. So what happens, of course, we can see as we look through the book of Acts, gradually we see people being baptized that were not even from a Jewish background. Now that's pretty radical. Now I know in here... The vast majority of us have a, a pretty much a similar ethnic background. But you know, ethnic background is one thing. Our understanding of Christianity is something that everyone in here had to adopt. You didn't grow up, you know, with a whole society of people that all had the same religious background. Yes, maybe your mom and your dad did, but not necessarily the society as a whole. With the Jewish people, to be a Jewish individual meant to have those values and those morals and those goals and those attitudes. And so suddenly, when these people began to make changes in their thinking and start saying that the teachings of the Jewish people that we grew up with are not fulfilled without Jesus is pretty radical. Then, when the, from that point of being radical, they took the next step and said, oh, and by the way, we think these people that are called Gentiles, non-Jews, can also come into the family. That made it even more radical. Disputes, arguments, complaints, you know, not new to the church. We often think, you know, I really want a church that's peaceful and life is good. So, you know, I think I'll just run away from any issues and find another answer somewhere else. I want to challenge you to realize God has called us to serve in the church, not to find a place to retreat and surrender. Now, I did like the retreat at Cedar Springs, I admit. But God did not call us to find a place to relax. He called you because He loves you and He wants to bless you. But His definition of bless may not be the same as yours. You know, again, society impacts us. The argument that was going on between the Hellenists and the Hebrews was very much based on definitions and expectations. I would say to you that we're dealing with expectation issues today in the year 2014 when it comes to the life of the church. We have expectations and hopes everything is going to be smooth and green and life will be good. But in fact, what we find is the last thing that Satan wants to see a church do well uh, is to do, see a church do well. He wants to see the church having problems. He wants to give us struggles and challenges. He wants to see people that surrender and run away and find other alternatives. Brothers and sisters, I want to say to you why I, I want to at least share with you why I came to this church. The reason that I came to this church 
was because it's been my grave desire to always try my best to step beyond my ability. Believe me, being in this church is beyond my ability. And the reason I try to do that with myself, because I want to see God work. You know, if I can do it and I can control it, where's God in it? We can do this with or without God. I can handle it. But I don't get to watch God work. So when I push myself beyond and I seek significance instead of security and safety, I get to watch what He can do. Coming here, yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no idea I was going to fall in love with so many people. I was going to like so many. There are still many of you I want to know much, much better. But I can see we have a church of good people. The question is, how can we be an effective church for the kingdom? My prayer is that you hunger Hunger deep within yourself for righteousness. And righteousness means that you won't put up with living in a sinful environment, having values that are messed up, focused on yourself, selfishness, comfort. It's not about you. It never has. We know the Scripture says that. We hear it all the time. But it's accurate. How can we get there in our lives? How can I get that dependent? You know, again, in the Scripture, in the book, book of Acts, we saw these arguments going on. They were trying to figure out how they could live together, work together, and not kill each other. And yet these were Christians. What I want to say to us today is God has us here for purpose. He has a desire for us to do something of importance. So when it says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, the challenge is, do we really take that scripture seriously? This morning, I've asked Charlotte if she would come and read Chapter 12 of the book of Romans. God's Word can challenge us and preach to us in ways that people do not. I would like to challenge you as we listen to um, think about yourself and evaluate what God has to say to you. You can read along in your pew Bibles, um, page 1047. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, 
in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual vivor serving the Lord. Be hopeful in sorry, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If, it is, if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good.